Hello and welcome to the Glacier Valley Church of God. Today's podcast was recorded live on Sunday before a full church. If there's anything we can do to bless you, to pray for you, please contact us at 907-789-3605. Glacier Valley Church of God, a place of hope, a place of healing. talking and I think in my <clears throat> years in church I'm not gonna say how long that is okay 52 years in church I, I really am getting old aren't I wow no okay thank you mom thank my mom supports me in my 52 years in church I don't ever remember there being a message series on grief and lament unless it's accompanied by you need to get over it, or you need to just worship, or you need to just get the Holy Ghost. And even I've said that a couple times. And the Lord has been really dealing with me that sometimes we just need to kind of work through our grief. And there's a process that we do that in. And, and it is no, in no way less spiritual than getting up and jumping and shouting and speaking in tongues. Is no less spiritual. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about that today, because I want you to see that grief is an emotion, and it is okay to have emotions. Somehow in Pentecostalism and even in life, we feel like the only emotion that we're allowed to have is one of excitement. You know, where everybody's jumping around and hooting and hollering and raising their hands. And and I will tell you that scripturally, that is only a portion of the Bible. Because if you look through Psalms, a majority of the, or nearly half of the Psalms are songs of lament, and those were songs of worship. As a matter of fact, there was an entire book written to sadness called Lamentations. And so grief is a part of what we go through, and grief is something that we have to learn to confront and deal with, realizing that that's just how it is. And a lot of people have a problem with God because they think, God, I, I don't understand. Why do I have to go through this as if nobody else has gone through something? Right? Have you ever noticed that? We kind of we blame God. God, why do I go through this? But other people have been through it just like us. No one is exempt. And the only way I can explain it is we live in a world that is full of sin and corruption. That is where we are right now. And to not be affected by that sin and corruption is like walking through the rain and not getting wet. Amen? I was downtown this morning and I can tell there were tourists there. You know why? They all had umbrellas. <laughs> you can just tell, tourists, right? They come in with their umbrellas and, yeah, tourists. And they're all wearing their parkas and you know, hats and all that. And I said, okay, yeah, you guys aren't from here, are you? We're all, you see Alaskans, man, it's 40 degrees. We whip out the sandals and the T-shirts and the shorts. You know, that's just like, okay, cover up still. We're not, done, we're not there in summer yet. But, you know, people wear this stuff because they've been in the, in the cold weather, right? But, you know, these tourists come up and they just pretend like, well, I don't want to get wet. Well, that's just all the experience of being in Juneau, if you ask me, Amen. When I came down to the southeast, they said, we want you to know that it rains a lot down here. And I thought they were joking, right? <laughs> they weren't. And to say that it rains a lot doesn't even really describe it. It rains twice a year. It starts January 1st, 
and ends on June 30th, and it picks back up on July 1st and goes through the end of the year, twice. Last week, it was amazing. We had this orange thing in the sky called the sun, and I got all excited, and then it only was there during the days that where everybody works, and on the weekend, the rain comes back, and I just, I just realized that's Juno, right? But to realize that we're going to go through life and things are going to happen to us, and it's not because we're being judged of God and we're being corrected. Man, how many times do we look at somebody when they're going something and we say, well, God must not like you, or God must be judging you, must have sin in your life. None of that is, is necessarily true. Now, I will say that if you do have sin in your life, God corrects us, amen? But sometimes things happen to us in our life. We cannot prevent people that we love to die. You know why? They are ready to go on to their glory. Amen? I don't want to keep somebody from their glory. They are going on to their reward. I don't want to keep them here for my sake, but I'm going to miss them. I miss my grandparents severely, but I know that my grandparents are in their heavenly reward. Amen? They are free from pain and all those things. But even then, I hurt. I, 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 I suffer with them. But in that suffering, I know that I'm going to be healed of that one day. Amen. It's not going to be overnight. It's not going to be just this thing where I wake up one day and I never forget about them because I never want to forget about the people that I've loved. And there's even some things that have happened in my life that I can't watch a certain television show because it brings up the same instance that I went through. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I watch this show and, and something happens, like I can't watch that. I don't, I don't want to have that in my life. And it sounds like, well, Pastor Green, you're not over that. And my answer to be would, yes, you're right, I'm not over certain things. And see, that's me being transparent with you because some of you have been told if you're not over it, you're not spiritual. And that's not what the Bible says. That's not what Scripture says. God teaches us to go through these things so that he can walk with us and cleanse us. Amen? He never, and, and, and I want to correct this. It's amazing you get into church and people say things that aren't true. Like somebody, and, and, I'm, and I'm not going to say who said this to me this morning, but somebody told me that I don't allow testimonies anymore. And, and I thought, where did that come from? I never said that. Isn't it amazing how people say things that aren't true about the church and about where you are? And people say things about God from the pulpit. Well, you're never going to have to go through a trial ever again in your whole life. And I'm like, whoa, that is not true. That is not true. We are, as a matter of fact, as believers, we're going to go through more trials. Did you know that? Did you know that? Man, when the moment you say, I choose God, get ready because it's happening. Amen? And then the closer you get to God, the worse the trial. I have been called every name in the book, even just this morning. <laughs> Some of you know what I'm talking about. I mean, I've been called horrible things. I've been, I've been called this. I'm not going to tell you what I've been called because I don't want to give any of you ideas. <laughs> I'm just joking. Amen. But we go through things, amen, and we have to realize that God is with us, and he has not abandoned us. But more importantly, yes, we're going to go through something, but here's the point that I want to get across to you this morning, is yes, I'm going to go through, th through things. I'm going to face trials, but guess who is right here with me as I walk those trials? Guess who is walking beside me? Guess who accompanies me? Guess who looks at me and says, Keith? I want you to know that I'm right here beside you. I'm also in front of you. I'm also behind you. I'm to the other side of you. I'm on top of you. I'm below you. I am with you. 
He's with us. He knows when we go through this life, there's going to be things that happen. Amen? And, 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 and the natural reaction goes, well, why? Why does that have to happen? And it all goes back to the Garden of Eden when man fell. Man, Adam, brought sin into this world. He brought sin into this world, and because of that, we are now living in the after effects of that. Well, why doesn't God do something? Oh, he did. He's preparing a place for us. Amen? He, now, see, how can I appreciate the place that he's prepared for us had I not had to work to get there? How would I appreciate the place that he's prepared for me had I not struggled to make it? Amen? But even though I have struggled to make it, it's not really been a struggle because he's been with me every step of the way. Even when I turned my back on him, even when I said, God, I can't go any further, he'd whisper in my ear, you can do it, Keith. You can do it, Keith. And sometimes I would, I would lay in my bed screaming and kicking and say, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to go to church. And my wife would come in, but you have to because you're the pastor. <laughs> I don't mean here, obviously. <laughs> Not here. No, 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 no. We all go through those times, amen, where we struggle. But the thing I want you to understand is that you are not alone because Jesus understands. I just want to give you one verse, and I want you to keep this verse up there for me, okay? Just this one verse. And Will mentioned it on Wednesday night. I thought he was going to preach my sermon, but he didn't. So thank you, Will, for not preaching my sermon. Simply this, John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. Two words, shortest verse in the Bible. Shortest verse, anybody can memorize that. I remember when I was a kid, they would say, how many scriptures can you memorize? I would always say one, Jesus wept. <laughs> Amen. Very short scripture, but man, the power behind that scripture. See, Mary and Martha were introduced to them actually a little earlier in scripture. They were probably friends of Jesus. They were supporters of his ministry. By, I mean, supporting, they gave to him financially. They hosted him in their home. And it talks about this in Luke chapter 10, verse 38, how Martha hosted Jesus and how Mary was sitting at his feet, and they got into a little argument there. And I'm not going to get into that now. But the reality is these people were known to Jesus. He was a part of their congregation, or they were a part of his congregation. And all of a sudden, tragedy struck this family. Their brother, Lazarus, got sick. What's the first thing you do when someone gets sick in your family? What do you do? Call a pastor, right? Call a pastor. That's what I'm here for. I'm not saying don't do that. But call a pastor. I had someone call me this week. Somebody was sick. I prayed for them, and praise God, they're doing well. Amen? So call me. That's good. And so that was their reaction. Who do we call? We call Jesus. Because Jesus, in effect, was their pastor. He was the one spiritually guiding them. He was the one who had a relationship with them. And, and I want you to understand that it was more than just Jesus being their rabbi or their teacher. He had a relationship with them. And that's something that I want you to remember. Because even though they had a relationship with each other, the way they viewed of how this was going to play out or how this was going to happen was completely different. 
So Mary and Martha, they, they sent word to Jesus because they knew that he was close and could see the fame of Jesus was all over the place and everybody knew Jesus where he was. And it, They didn't have Facebook back then, but man, everybody knew where Jesus was because wherever Jesus went, there were miracles and there was joy. See, sometimes I worry that Jesus doesn't come to church anymore because sometimes I see grumpy Christians. Amen. <laughs> I don't like you, Pastor. That's okay. I love you. Amen. We get grumpy, don't we? We don't get up too early for church, but maybe we haven't had our coffee yet. Everybody just, you know, smile to me one more time. Okay, good. I love your smiles. Amen. I smile for you, but I'm missing some teeth. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Therefore, John 11.3, Therefore the sisters said to him, saying, Lord, behold. Trying to get his attention. Lord, behold. He who you love is sick. You think that was a little pressure for Jesus to do what they wanted? You ever tried to tell God what to do? That's like me trying to tell my wife what to do. Or me trying to tell my mom what to do. Or basically anybody in my household right now what to do. I mean, I do the occasional, I am dad, what I say goes out the window and doesn't matter to anybody. Right? But imagine us telling God what to do. God, I want you to come down and do this right now. And, and there's some people who teach that you can boss God around. I'm going to tell you right now, there is no way we can boss God around. Now, he is a compassionate father, and he will listen to our cry. Amen? But sometimes, sometimes God's way of doing something is a little different than what we want or how we think. Amen? Anybody ever experienced that? That God does things differently the way that we think? And if somehow that doesn't line up with our theology, then our theology is wrong. Because God is God. He can do whatever he wants to do. Amen? But the funny thing is the end result will always be the same. God will get the glory. Amen? God will always, always get the glory. Praise God. Lord, behold. I want you to keep that Jesus wept up there. Behold. He whom you love is sick. But you know what happened there? You guys know this story, right? What's one of the stories you learn in Sunday school and children's church growing up? Guess what? Jesus didn't go. Can you imagine what Martha and Mary were going through that moment when Jesus didn't respond to them? Can you imagine what Mary and Martha were feeling right then when when it seemed like Jesus went silent? That Jesus didn't just drop everything and go to them? Can you imagine? Wait a minute, I supported his ministry. Wait a minute, I have given to him. He better get over here. I'm not saying that's what happened, but those are the feelings that we get, right? We're disappointed. And we've lost faith in God. But see, Jesus had a different plan. And so... Four days later, he looks at his disciples and he goes, okay, we need, to, we need to go because our friend Lazarus is asleep. And the disciples, I mean, sometimes these disciples, they just didn't get it, did they? Like, why are we going? He's asleep. He must be okay. <laughs> and Jesus, it's really funny because Jesus just plainly says, look, guys, he's dead. He's dead. Sometimes the Lord needs to get a little plain with us sometimes, doesn't he? Sometimes he just needs to get a little real with us. And he did with the disciples right there. He goes, look, guys, he's dead. We need to go. 
But the problem, the disciples didn't want to go because that was close to Jerusalem. And in going to Jerusalem, they feared that Jesus was going to be arrested. They feared that Jesus was going to be, uh, and, and in fact, later on he was, because this leads up to the Holy Week. And they said, oh man, if he goes, he's going to get killed. And, and they let out this statement, well, I guess we'll go with him and we'll die with him. Because they knew what was coming. They feared that. But Jesus went in his own time and he went and he approached them. He approached them. And then Martha says this. Martha, I see everybody always gets mad at Martha. Because remember, in the earlier story with Mary and Martha, Martha's like, can you not tell Mary to come help me? Because she's over here just doing what she, sounds like sisters, doesn't it? Right? Anybody have any sisters here? Yeah. I, I don't have a sister or brother. I had a dog, and that's all I have. But anyway, so they were just arguing, can you not tell her to come help me? And she kind of pitched a little fit, and God, Jesus had to correct her, right? And so Martha, she's just kind of this blunt, straightforward person. I love that about her. I love it when people are straightforward with me, don't you? Some people don't like that. They want you to kind of dance around a little bit. I'm not a dancer, as you can tell. Amen? So Mary, or Martha, goes up to him, and she said to Jesus, Lord... And I want you to, I want to ask you a question. See if this sounds like you sometimes. Put yourself here. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Wow. Have you said that? Lord, if you would have just answered that prayer. Lord, if you would have just did this. Lord, if you would have just done what I asked you, Lord, if you would have just, Lord, if you would have just listened to me. Remember, and, and Julian Hunter, I always love it when I bring him up in the, my sermons. But there was a time that they wanted candy when they were toddlers. And it was always close to bed. Like toddlers do. They said, we want candy. And being the rigid father that I was to my son, I said, no. To my daughter, I said, don't tell your mother. And then you know what she did? She told her mom. <laughs> right? So I got in trouble. But Jenny was like, we don't give, because this I was a new dad. I didn't understand these things about sugar. And she was trying to explain to me, when you give kids sugar at night, moms, what happened? Craziness ensues, right? And I looked at my wife, and I made a mistake, and I said, wow, you're going to have a tough time dealing with that tonight, aren't you? And then there's some things that happened that made me realize that maybe I should be the one dealing with that, right? See, we, as parents, there's things that we don't allow our children to go through because we realize it's going to be bad for them. We see things that they don't understand. We see things and we realize things that maybe you don't need to do that because this isn't good for you. Or maybe I just have something better for you. But also as a parent, when you have to tell your child no, it hurts, doesn't it? When you have to tell your child, no, I can't do that for you, does that make you hurt? As a dad, it kills me. It kills me when I can't give my children everything they, well, you know, there's things that they need. I want to give them that. But there's also things that they want. And I, it, it hurts me. Now, there's certain things they want. 
that I'm not going to give them, obviously, like a new house. I'm not going to do that right now or ever, probably. But there's things that they want that they just, Dad, I just want this. And as a parent, I can't afford that. I can't do that. And it hurts me. And there's things that my children have gone through, like my son went through bullying at school where kids would beat him up. And he didn't want to go back to school. And it was in middle school. And middle school is tough on kids. And I would sit there and I would cry with him because I felt like even though they were bullying him, it's like they were bullying me. And I remember going into the school and trying to make changes. This was up in Palmer, and it was I couldn't make any changes, and I was frustrated, and I couldn't do anything. And all I could really do with my son is just really cry with him. But I knew that he had to go through that. It's almost like a rite of passage. It's an unfortunate rite of passage, but it's almost what you have to go through. And I cried with him, and I was there with him. I said, son, if you want to come home and you and I just ride around so you can cry so nobody sees you, you can do that. And it hurt my heart. And when I realized that, I realized how God must feel when we're hurting. See, this is how we get to this point, because Martha was upset. She was upset and Mary, Mary probably couldn't even talk to him. Martha could verbalize what she's going through. But Mary, you ever been so upset that you can't even talk to somebody? Mary probably couldn't even talk with him. She probably looked away. I can't support any of that with Scripture. I'm just telling you what I think that happened. Give me a little bit of liberty there because some of us have that personality. When we're upset with somebody, we can't even look at them. We have to kind of walk away. But now Martha, she's in her face saying, Lord, if you would have just done this. Jesus said those famous words. He goes, I am the resurrection and life, and he who believes in me. And Martha tried to reassure him that she understood what that meant, but she didn't get it. See, it's hard in the moment when you're going through something. It's hard to understand why you're going through that at that moment, isn't it? And all the theology in the world at that moment means nothing to anybody. It means nothing. Scripture at that point, now I'm going to say something controversial here. But if, if somebody tries to quote Scripture to you, it means nothing because you're hurting and you're in pain. And you just want it to stop, don't you? Now, I'm not saying Scripture is of no effect. I would never say that. But sometimes when you're really hurting and you're in pain because something has happened and you don't understand, you don't want to be around anybody, all you want are answers. See, that's the one thing that we don't get. Jesus, this is the part I love. Jesus, being surrounded by the family who was hurting, being surrounded by the mourners who were there, some who were paid to be there, who didn't care one way or the other that this person passed away, being surrounded by them, it just simply says, Jesus wept. A lot of theologians have been trying to understand why Jesus wept. What does that mean? It's so simple. And I gotta I gotta tell you, sometimes we as theologians we try to make things complicated when it's not. Jesus wept because he was sad. Well, wait a minute, is it being sad a sin? No. And that's something I gotta get across to you. Being sad is not a sin. Did you know that? Just like being angry is not a sin. 
You can be angry and not sin. Did you know that? A lot of people don't know that because those are emotions that God gave us. Amen? Those are emotions that God has given us. I want you to understand now, if I take my anger and I go and harm somebody or I go and kill somebody, at that point we have committed sin, okay? Or if I yell at somebody and I make them feel bad, that is where sin comes into the picture. But it is okay to be sad, okay? The morning comes for a moment. It endures for the night. But joy is coming. Joy is coming. See, I could go on about how Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead and he restores them, but what I want to focus on right now, because that's usually the sermon that we give, isn't it? Is that there was this sad moment and Jesus made it all better. But we're going to get there, but I'm going to, I'm going to kind of take my time here because I want you to understand, above all things, is that Jesus experiences the emotion with you. Has anybody ever thought about that for a moment? How when you're sad, that he becomes sad? Can I tell you how I know that? See, this is the thing that I love about moms. To me, moms are one of the best examples of what the love of Christ is. Because a mother loves their child no matter what, don't you? A mother loves her child above all things. A mother would put herself last before the child. And with, with the mother, the, her saddest child is how happy she is. You know what I'm talking about, moms? Is if, if one of your children are sad, that's the, that's the apex of your happiness because you carry that hurt in your heart for your children. You love them unconditionally. And I want you to know right now, people, when you go through sad things, when you go through good things, when you have joy, when you have sorrow, Jesus is right there with you. Amen? Listen, he loves you. He loves you. Listen. Let's forget about in a moment about what Jesus did with Lazarus and he raised him from the dead. Now listen, all that is important, but we're talking about the moment, realizing that although Martha thought that Jesus had abandoned her, he didn't abandon her. He was there all the time, amen? He walked with her in those low moments, and he tried to speak to her. He says, listen, I got this taken care of because right now I'm not going to be the resurrection in life. I am the resurrection and the life. Amen? I am the resurrection and life. As a pastor, I do a lot of funerals. I do a lot of weddings. Not as many weddings as I do funerals. But I can remember there's times at a funeral that I'll just start crying because of the overwhelming sadness of the family. How the family just begins to weep because they've lost someone. And the sadness, and I'll cry with them. I'll tear up with them because I just feel such compassion for them. I don't know what's wrong with me, but I'm getting to the age that I'm crying at TV commercials. I hate AT&T and their stupid commercials. What's another commercial that I was crying at? ESPN. No, not that one. <laughs> I'm crying at TV commercials. I'm crying at, I'm crying at you know, watching a movie. And, and I want the Hallmark Channel out of my life. Speak against that channel in the name of Jesus. If you missed movie night on Friday night, we had a great time. And the moment I saw there was a dog and a, all that, I knew I was in trouble. I was going to be crying at the end of this movie because there was a dog involved. And the dog was, 
He wasn't the centerpiece. He was just there. And I'm like, I'm going to cry. And I did. And I had to hide it because I don't want people making fun of me. But I get emotional about these things, amen, because we all have emotions, right? And I want to tell you this morning that it is okay to have those emotions, and that is how we overcome the grief that we have. For too long, we have told our children, suck it up. Don't cry. Don't you dare cry. Don't you do it. Don't you do it. Because we don't want to deal with that emotion. I want to tell you right now that the Lord will never tell you to stop crying. He will tell you, I'm here. I love you. I care about you. I'm going to see you through this. Amen. The Lord says today, I am your healer this morning. I am your glory this morning. Here's the best part. Are you ready? I can be that void that you now fill. See, when we lose someone close to us, there's a pain there. But the Lord can come in and be that void of losing them. Now, I want to be clear here. None of this is going to happen overnight. That's not the way it works, okay? That's not the way it works. And, and as Pentecostals, man, we got to get past that. we got to get past that. We, we have this perception that you come to the altar, you get the Holy Ghost, and you're done. See, that's not always true. Wait a minute, Pastor. Are you questioning the power of God? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm going to demonstrate to you that the power of God works both ways. The power of God works in miraculous ways. Let me explain what I mean. We may just get out of here earlier today, guys. Probably not. I just wanted to let you know that and give you false hope. Listen to this. 1 Peter 2, chapter 21 and 22. For to this you recall, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. When Christ suffers, when we suffer, it draws us to him. People call that the scandal of the cross. Christ suffered for our healing. We suffer to be drawn to him. Not this past Thursday night, but the Thursday night before, we had our Celebrate Life meeting, and I never will forget this. And those who were there will know what I'm talking about. Towards the end of our, and I think I actually referenced this like last week, I can't remember. There was a young lady who came in almost when we were done. And she just said, I just, I'm going to paraphrase here, okay? She just said, I, I don't like God right now. I'm mad at him. I grew up a foster child. And she started saying all these negative things about God. And at this moment, I was going in my heart, then why are you here? <laughs> I was like, what's going on with you? Are you here to blow up our meeting? I mean, you know, I don't know. What's going on? And the Lord just kind of gently tapped me on the shoulder and said, shut up and listen. God ever told you that? Yeah, he does that to me all the time. He goes, shut up and listen. And so I listened to her talk for a few minutes. And she was bashing God, bashing God. I hate God, I hate God, I hate God. And then she said this. She said, but I could not help but come here tonight. I don't know what it is about this place, but I need God. 
I don't get it because I'm a Buddhist, which I thought was hilarious. (laughs) Because Buddhists don't recognize God. They recognize other things, and I'm not going to get into that now. She goes, I'm a Buddhist, and I'm a good Buddhist. And I'm like, okay, that's wonderful, sort of. I don't know. And then, But she says, but I, I, I've got to have God in my life. I, and, and the funny thing, she was drunk and high at the same time, but she recognized her need for God. Brothers and sisters. And, and at that moment, all we were allowed to do is just plant a seed in her life. You know, the spiritual pastor in me wanted to say, where's my anointing? Well, I'm going to cast that Buddha out of her. And I'm where she's going to get saved tonight. But that wasn't God's plan because God has a process. Not everybody is ready to accept Jesus at any given moment. There's a process that needs to happen, amen? And that's where some of you need to understand is you're still in the process, amen? You're not ready to be healed right now, but God's taking you through it, okay? Don't, don't compare Don't compare yourself to somebody else about how they are healed because every walk is different, and that's what I love about it. Because my walk with Jesus is, guess what? My walk with Jesus. Amen? I don't have to compare myself to anybody else. Now, we do, don't we? Well, sister, so-and-so's got the victory, and I don't. Well, bless God, she's got the victory. Maybe she'll pray for me, okay? Listen, my victory is going to be my victory between me and God, not between me and sister so-and-so, amen? And I'm not going to fake it until I get that victory, okay? I know I bring this song up every week, but I love that song in the garden. Somebody else love that. I love the old hymns. I love when they sing "I'll Fly Away." Man, I love that song because I feel like I got my bouncy shoes on, ready to fly away. I mean, me and my two-inch vertical, I'm ready to jump out of here. Right? Did you guys know I used to play basketball? No, that's not true. I was terrible at it. I had a two-inch vertical and I could dunk on a seven-foot rim. But they sing that song "I'll Fly Away." I'll fly away, oh glory! I get all excited. And that's an emotional song, right? But I love that song in the garden more when it says, and he walks with me. And he talks with me. And he tells me, I am his own. Can I just repeat that again for me? Maybe I'm the only one getting blessed. I don't know, but I'm going to get blessed this morning, okay? You can join me or not. It's up to you. I don't, at this point, I'm getting enough blessing. I don't care about anybody. I'm just caring about what God is doing in me. Let me rephrase that. It's not that I don't care anybody. Let me don't take that and run with it. He, he people will go out of the church saying he just said he don't care about me. That's not true. That's not true. He walks with me. You ever gone through a trial that people won't walk with you anymore? Ooh, you're going through that. I don't want any part of that. Ooh, that's weird. I remember going through a trial, and mom knows what I'm talking about. 24 years ago, I went through a terrible time. You know what people did to me? They stopped calling me. They stopped talking to me, and they wanted nothing to do with me because they thought that I was like on the road to Jericho, the, the, the young man who was beat up by the robbers. They, they thought, well, you must have a disease or something. God must not like you. I don't want to be anywhere near you. But Jesus said, oh, no, no, no. I'm going to walk with you through this trial. I'm going to go through this with you. Amen? And I remember... 
I remember yelling out, God, you could have prevented this if you wanted to. <laughs> and God says, people make their choices. But that's okay, I have something better for you. But guess what? That takes time, doesn't it? I was, I learned this this week, and I got to share it with you, and it really just broke me when I learned this. See, I, I love theology and understanding that theology changes based on our understanding of God. There's no such thing as set theology. This is the way it is, because we, as we learn about God and the Holy Spirit teaches us, it molds and shapes our understanding. Our basic core is Jesus came, he died, and he rose again, right? But it's the other little things. And there's something I want to share with you about healing. See, we talk about healing as if it's instantaneous because we read it in the Bible. Jesus healed them, and they went off running. Jesus healed them. So we're thinking it's instantaneous. And we wonder, Lord, where are the miracles that you did like that? But let me go back to what the Greek word there is. More times than not, the word is therapeuo. An example of this in Matthew chapter 4, verse 24, it uses the word therapeuo. Now, some of you might recognize that word because it's where we get the word therapy. Are you following me? What are you saying, Pastor? We need therapy? No, listen to me. <laughs> See, I mentioned the word therapy. People get, oh, Lord. <laughs> Oh, no, don't bring up that word. I rebuke that in the name. No. Listen, let me tell you what therapy means, the real word means. You know what it means? It means relationship. That's the word therapy means. We've taken it to mean a client, and this guy sitting in the chair taking in notes and say, tell me about your mother. That's not therapy. I mean, scientifically it is. But the word therapy here means relationship. It means that when Jesus healed somebody, the Bible talks about how he would go into a village and he would heal them. That means that he would develop a relationship. Oh, praise God. Praise God. <laughs> he would develop a relationship with them. And in that relationship, they became healed because of the relationship. Listen, I'm not against the, well, I shouldn't say that because I am against some of these TV preachers who get up and slap people down and claim that they're healed because that's not really what it's all about. Really what's coming up is they're getting slapped down. They've got a big old knot on their forehead. I don't know if they're actually healed or not. Amen? Listen, if some preacher's going to slap me, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to slap them back. That's just who I am, okay? I'm going to get like Randy, do kind of the, you know, the bob and weave thing, okay? Listen, it wasn't, that wasn't Jesus didn't go around slapping people, okay? There's no record of that in Scripture. There's no record of Jesus wearing a white suit telling demons to, okay, i got to stop. i got to go on. <laughs> I made a reference there. Some of you got it. Some of you didn't. Jesus would enter into relationship with someone. See, when Martha and Mary called, Jesus had already been in their house. Jesus would go in and eat with people. He would die. He didn't care if they were saved. He didn't care if they went to temple. He would go and eat with them. Amen? He didn't say, I want to surround myself with Christian friends. No, Jesus says, where are my sinners? 
Where are my prostitutes? Where are my gay people? Where are my people that aren't living for the Lord? I want to have dinner with you. Amen? Listen, we get so wrapped up. We get so wrapped up in, in surrounding ourselves with believers, and we should on church, but our purpose is to go out into the world and share the gospel. You can't go up to someone and beat them over the head and say, accept Jesus. I mean, you can, but you'll go to jail. And then you'll claim persecution. That's not persecution. That's just not doing what Scripture says, okay? If you strike somebody, you should go to jail. That's how it works, amen? But you know what Jesus did? He looked at the worst person in town, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. We just had tax day last week. Does anybody love the IRS? If somebody says they were a tax agent, I don't know how I would feel about them. Because somehow they say I owe money every year. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? I don't owe money. I barely have any money. How can I owe you what I don't have? Okay, next subject. He went out to Zacchaeus and he said, Zacchaeus. And everybody hated Zacchaeus because he was a tax guy. He said, Zacchaeus. Can you imagine what Zacchaeus felt at that moment? Like, oh, man, I'm in trouble. And see, this is what relationship does. Zacchaeus says, I'm coming to your house. Or excuse me, Jesus says, I'm coming to your house, Zacchaeus. Oh, man, can you imagine that? All these Pharisees were there and these religious people expecting to host Jesus. And Jesus shoved all of them aside and says, I'm coming to your house. I'm coming to be with you. I'm coming to be with you. And you know what Zacchaeus did? Zacchaeus has such a change in his life. He goes, you know what? Anybody that I've cheated, I'm going to pay that, them back four times what I did before. And that's scriptural, by the way, what he did. He didn't just say that arbitrarily. He knew what scripture says. And he says, I'm going to go back and do what the Bible says. He says, I'm going I'm to live the right way. I'm going to treat people honestly. See, when Jesus comes and establishes a relationship with you, that they're a pure that therapeutic, then you change who you are. And too many people are demanding God to be that. The Greek word for this is ioma. I'm probably not saying that right, but nobody knows. Right? Anybody here a Greek scholar? Okay, good. Ioma. Iomea. I don't know. Sound, either way, sounds good to me. Just shows you that I'm not a Greek scholar, okay? I'm just trying to impress you with my Greek words. Iomo or Aomo, whatever. Sound like I'm speaking in tongues. It means instant healing. And that instant healing occurs, that word occurs far fewer times in the Old Testament, or excuse me, in the Gospels than Therapeuo does. Far fewer times. Far fewer times because Jesus wasn't just coming up and laying hands over you and he's done with you. Jesus wants a relationship. The struggle that you're going through, the grief. I've said this openly. My family and I are, man, we're going through some stuff right now. And I'm not going to lie to you, it hurts. It hurts. But you know what's been even better? Is realizing the presence of Jesus when he comes into our lives and he says, I'm here with you. I'm going to walk with you through this. That's what's precious to me. And this 
I mean, as Pentecostals, we love the, the rah-rah. But you know, I found a deeper level of relationship with Jesus during the moments of my extreme sorrow. I can point back to times in my life that I've had sorrow, and he was always, always there. Always. Never a moment was he not there for me. Now, sure, I question it. Jesus, where are you? You know that's a question you can ask, right? People say, you can't talk to God like that. Well, I can because he's my dad. He's my father. I can talk to him like that. I'm not being disrespectful. I'm saying, where are you? I need you. And he's ready to answer that question. I'm there. I'm there. I'm there. And as I entered into that, that deep moment with him, presence of Jesus becomes real. See, sometimes when you get in these hyped up Pentecostal churches, things don't seem real sometimes, do they? Can I be, I'm being candid, right? I'm being real. It seems like people maybe get a little too crazy. And whether or do they not, I'm not here to judge on that. I'm not here to focus on that. But at those moments of low and sorrow, Jesus becomes real to me. Some of you this morning, you're questioning. Jesus, where are you at? Jesus, where are you at? We know all the right words. We can quote the scripture. You will never leave me nor forsake me. But yet, in our heart, we still wonder. And we try to put on that smile. We try to come to church. How are you doing? I'm good. And I'm not. Can I tell you, brothers and sisters, the only way we're going to have revival is if we start being real about what we're going through. We need to be real about it. We don't like to hide our problems. We have people in this church that are going through marriage troubles. Marriage troubles. We have people in this church who are going through financial troubles. We have people in this church who thought about suicide this past week. I said that word in church, didn't I? We have, we have people in this church right now who are dealing with pain and sorrow that they experienced as a child when they were taken from their mom and dad and put somewhere else. We have people in this church that are experiencing trauma from what an adult did to them and how they treated them, whether it be physical or sexual. We have people in this church that are hurting because of the time that they were in drugs and alcohol, and they did things during that time of when they were on drugs and alcohol that still haunts them to this day, and there's shame there. Shame. Can I tell you right now, we need to acknowledge as a church that we haven't treated each other the way that we should? That includes what happened with the boarding schools. That includes what happens to each other, the way we gossip about each other, the way we treat each other. We, we need to acknowledge that for a moment, don't we? We need to acknowledge that we bring hurt and pain. 
But through that, that's not really the church. That's people. To tell you that I've acted perfectly in all my life would be a lie. I have not done everything right. I've said things that I shouldn't have said sometimes. There's things that I've even said to my wife that I can't take back and I wish I could, but you say things out of anger sometimes, right? But in those moments, in those moments, in those moments, he is there. Last week, we dealt with this grief. Today, we need to accept that he's there with us. Can I say that one more time? We need to accept that he's there with us. We need to accept that he's there with us. I want you to put the words up to this, and everybody understand. I want you to sing this with me. This is a song of lament. My soul hurts within me. We done this last week. My heart collapsed with fear. My tears are gone, and I cannot see. Your touch, your love, your hope. Oh, where is the God that got me through? Oh, where is my victory? today. You fill my heart and sorrow. You walk with hallelujah in pain. You are my hope by tomorrow. I will walk with you God me through. You are 
my victory. How I desperately see it's always you. Please come and rescue me. As they start music, Lord, Lord, I've done everything that you asked me to do, God. There's so much pain and hurt here in Juneau, God. And God, I feel that you're just wanting to tell people that this is a process. The first step is to acknowledge the grief. We did that last week. Not everybody is here, but Lord, we're following the process. Today, we recognize that you are with us. Tomorrow, God, next week, we're going to receive the healing. Next week, Lord, we're going to realize that you bring healing to our lives. You have not forgotten us. You are there. 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 listening to our service. Be sure to catch the video edition of this on either YouTube or Facebook Live. Again, if you need prayer, contact us at 907-789-3605. May God richly bless you in all things.